Hey, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. I'm hosting the show solo today. James is out of town, but I do have a special guest, one of our chosen one Patreon members, a longstanding fan and friend of the show, Lauren Smertz. How's it going, Lauren? Going great. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm happy to have you on. First of all, let's fix the pronunciation. You guys have been saying it wrong since the beginning of time. There is no T in the name. Smurfs. 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 Sounds like a sneeze. Smurfs. No vowels at all. No vowels at all. The Z is the vowel. Your family hates vowels. We do. Yeah. But I'm I'm having you on this episode because this is... You're not only your guest spot, but also you're a big fan of movie scores like we are. You're actually well-educated in film composition, and you know your stuff. So it's something we ch- we chat about quite a lot. So this seemed like a perfect episode to have you on to talk about composers, film scores, how we got into music, and all that jazz. So let's dive right into it. All righty. So tell me, who are some of you, like your favorite composers right off the top of your head? Like Okay, so strictly film composers. Film composers, yeah. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is a basic. Basic bitch tick. <laughs> is a basic bitch answer, but you, you know can say what? B words. You just can't say the F word. Okay, um, but I love Hans Zimmer. Always have, always will. Uh, and James Newton Howard also. I think his score for Peter Pan, like, got me into looking up movie scores. Did he do the um, Joe Wright Peter Pan or was it the Spielberg Peter Pan or the one with um, Jason Isaacs? Oh, I don't think I've seen that one because I know um, Dario Marianelli did Hook, um, Joe Wright's um, film of the Peter Pan story, and then Williams did no Williams did Hook, and then Joe Wright's composer Dario Marianelli did his Pan movie. This one was directed by P.J. Hogan and legendary. Oh yeah. Very well known, obviously. But Jason Isaacs is in it. Daddy. Second of all, 11-year-old Lauren was in love with Jeremy Sumter, who played Peter Pan. Oh, that's how you got into it? That Was was that the first film score you got like into? So James Newton Howard popped your cherry? Yep, that was, that was the first movie score I had downloaded on my iPod. Not touch, uh, like the classic generation one where you still had to like use the wheel. The wheel, the wheel. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It has it has 150 songs on it. <laughs> no, it had more than that, but it was. It was that was the hard. one. It was Same. specifically it was the flying, um, the flying. What's the word? Sequence scene. Sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Ironically, James Newton Howard for me too, but it wasn't just his score. It was The Dark Knight, which he did with Hans Zimmer, and they did it in collaboration. So that also, that was my first film score that I got into. It was the first time I listened to music in a movie outside of the movie because I found the music so interesting. And that, school, that score is cool in particular because what Nolan had them do, why he hired two big composers, because James Newton Howard was also a big composer at the time. Is he did he had James Newton Howard handle the Bruce Wayne scores and then he had Hans Zimmer handle the Batman scores so that it would it would feel like two personalities for the music as well as with the the um, characterization of the of the person of Bruce Wayne which I thought was really great and so that score I listened to that on repeat over and over again and then it made me realize oh they're like amazing artists making music for movies yeah um, well and then James Newton Howard did. He's so good at doing really emotional 
Yeah, I Am Legend. Heartbreaking. The Hunger Games. Um, yeah. Yeah, Hunger Games, like, Bruce Farewell gets me mm. in tears every time. James Newton Howard's he's one of my favorites. I love his score for I Am Legend. It's, it's incredible. It's really remarkable. But Hans is my number one. He has been, I think, because, you know, it was the first one I got into, and then he suits the kind of musical tone that I like in terms of always pushing the envelope technology-wise, changing up, creating new instruments, and um, always pushing boundaries. And Jay, John Williams is also up there for me. But also really big for me was John Powell, who made the Born um, music, the music for the Born franchise, because when James and I were growing up, we saw those movies a lot, and like we saw them in theaters. And that was also around the time as Dark Knight and Batman Begins. So I listened to a lot of the Born music. It was like my I had CDs in my car, Dark Knight and Born Identity, Born Supremacy. The CDs too. Yeah. The oh yeah, I still have it. I still have my case of of CDs with the Sharpie written on it. Absolutely. But the first thing, so I got into movie scores first, and then I got James into them. But it took him a little while. The first thing I tried to get him into was Born Identity because he loved the movie, and so I was like, I think he'll like like if I played the song for him. And so we're driving in my car, and I put on Born Identity CD. I was like, hey, you got to listen to this. It's really cool. And so he listens to the, like, the main theme, the first track, and then he goes, could you put like more normal music on? And I was like, mother, mother effer, mother effer. But he came around, and once he learned more about it and got into it, he became addicted to the film music as well. And that's, you know, that's a good way to get into it. I have to do that with my career profession because i have to try to get people who think music isn't like is normal or not normal so mm. i have to try to get them to buy into why music is cool and you're also a talented singer too i guess i mean <laughs> yeah mm, i yeah but i don't like talking about it because singers are in college and conservatories are the most some of the most egotistical people i've ever met oh no uh-oh uh-oh uh -oh. not you though not, not you though God. How would I know? I would know. No, no, not you. Oh, I'm. I know, but like, I you would ha you have to have like a certain type of ego in order to be in a conservatory, mm -hmm. because you go through becoming an adult and going through all of like the schooling for a conservatory is realizing Rachel Berry is kind of like not that bad and did deserve most of her solos in Glee, and that's a hot take. <laughs> I've actually never seen Glee before. Uh, maybe I should get on that. Um, what's, what's your, speaking of singing, well. I, I don't think so, yeah. Speaking of singing, what are some of your favorite scores that use an actual voices in the score? I think like Gladiator is an, a really famous one using Lisa Gerrard's amazing voice. It was really remarkable. Then Dune recently, um, he had a, a, bunch of act, yeah, a bunch of women singing in that one. And what I loved for Dune too is that he, or Hans Zimmer, started branching out too into like the throat singing or in yeah the guttural and which yeah. i thought was so cool because it's not very often heard of and it's not something most people can do it's really hard to do it's incredible and um i saw behind the scenes of um the the main singer i can't remember her name um but she's just remarkable the things that she could do with her voice i never heard anyone sing like that before it's really she's really treating it like it's an instrument and experimenting with her vocal cords and with how she's projecting her voice it's really fascinating mm -hmm. and you know like with singers and singing there is like what is classical and what is like the correct way. And then I can already hear people talking about the Dune score and saying, that's not the healthy way to do it. Here's the healthy way to do it. But like, what is 
if they've been doing it for how long. It's just for the recording. So, I mean, it's not like she's doing it every day. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's in a sustainable way. What's the, what's your favorite Hans Zimmer score? Um, if you had to pick one. It's at world's end. Aww. Aww. That's a good one. That's that a good one. That one is my favorite. That one got me through high school. Um, the, uh, What's the track called? It's a really upbeat one. I can't remember. Up is Down. That's my favorite track from it. Up is Down. That one? Really? Yeah, it's terrific. It's great. The theme's in there. It's very playful. It's yeah, different. Yeah, I know. It's I love different. the hurdy-gurdy that they use, too. Yeah. And, um, and also, like, let's just talk about hurdy-gurdy as an instrument, and that's a great What one. is it? It's kind of like an accordion, but you churn it. Like, you literally churn it, and it's kind of like a piano roll, almost, but it's that really old-fashioned-sounding could be a broken down circus that is haunted or could be like playing in the background of the godfather it's very interesting cool. uh, he, he he what's cool about zimmer is he always tries out different instruments and even old instruments and williams too because the hung the harry potter score hedwick's theme what's the piano what's that instrument that he used oh the for... celesta uh-huh and so it's what like a mini piano yeah and they typically use that to make something seem ethereal or use it in places to associate with children and they also use that in horror movies a lot too mm -hmm. is that hitting is it like a piano where it's hitting a string or is it actually hitting something like metal like a xylophone um that's a good question i it's oh that's a good question and i should know this but i don't and so i'm googling it right now so don't you're kicked off me. kicked off the show i know i'm gonna be <laughs> well while you while you look it up uh the hedwig's theme i think is one of the greatest themes ever made and what's ironic is that hans Zimmer, i mean Her john williams he made that theme for the trailer it wasn't uh initially for the movie he just made it for the trailer warner brothers had had cut a trailer together they wanted to release and they went to him they're like we need a piece of music to play for the trailer in theaters and then he came up with Hedwig's theme and ironically something that he wasn't really intending basically became the voice of the Harry Potter franchise and also I think one of the greatest uh, themes ever written for film. Oh, it's my it, my piano teacher, she hated Harry Potter, thought it was the devil's work, but ah. but I was so obsessed with the uh, Hedwig's theme that she let me play it as my <laughs> recital piece one year and it, she was it had seething. To be it had to be for the summer program because that was like the very casual one, not the fancy spring recital that we normally did. Was she? Did she have to leave the room? <laughs> no, she was fine. But every Halloween, she would put out like, "Why Harry Potter is the devil's." <laughs> Harry Potter is the devil. It's like it the Water is, Boy. Harry Potter's the devil. Better because her birthday was on Halloween and she hated Halloween as well. Ironically, it's actually it has a lot of Catholic uh, parallels. <laughs> it has so many. So many Christian Catholic parallels. It's pretty no, wild to think that it's the devil's writing. A great lady, but I think I I think that people who I think people who think that haven't actually read the books is my is my my opinion. Um. Either yeah, she hasn't. She definitely hasn't read them because I've tried to talk to her about it. But she's like an eighty year old woman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, she no, can. I don't she think she's really gonna try. She bought yeah. like chairs that were big enough for her skirts, like mm -hmm. Victorian style chairs. So she's kind of. Mm -hmm. All right. What's um? Celesta? What's your favorite? Celesta. Oh, back to that. Oh no, back to it. Yeah. Um, it is a metallophone with a keyboard, so it has small metal bars, and then small felt hammers strike the bars on the inside of the piano mm. of the 
keyboard. Got so it. it's like an upright piano that just has metal bars instead of um, playing against a string, which is what a piano typically does. It's interesting how such a, an old, simple instrument became made such a legendary piece of music. What's, what's, you, what's your favorite Williams score as a whole? Like Williams? Oh, the Memoirs of a Geisha is my favorite. That's a good one. It is really good. That one's my... If you like that, if anyone who likes that, you'd like Seven Years in Tibet, too. That's a great one with similar um, um, Asian to tones, it. Asian styles. It's really terrific. Do you like Last Samurai, then, if you like Geisha? I honestly haven't listened to The Last Samurai. Oh, you should listen to it. It's it's really remarkable. It's really great. Okay, I guess. Add it to your list. You'll, you'll I love will. It. I'll, I'll listen to it. You know I will. Yeah. It's it's really great. It's it relaxes you so much. For me, Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer is my number one. But Williams being my number two, it's hard to pick a favorite score of his. But I gotta go. I think I have to go with um, Sorcerer's Stone uh, because I love Star Wars. But I I think for me, growing up with Sorcerer's Stone was really special. And we never we didn't watch Star Wars much growing up when we were kids because our brothers weren't really into it. So we were a little late to the game for Star Wars. The first time I watched Star Wars, we rented at Blockbuster when I was like twelve. So last one you could rent. (laughs) Yeah, and so I grew up watching Harry Potter. So I think that music has a real connection to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd say Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone specifically, uh, the introduction to the world. the music is really, really special. And oh, like the Diagon all, Alley yeah. theme. Yeah, and uh, the finale has this really great one-minute sequence. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll text it to you later because we can't play anything on the on the episode for copyright. But it's I, it's my favorite piece of music ever. I'll send it to you so you know what I'm specifically like talking classic, about. Like what Harry, the when the last Harry Potter movie came out, like they used it to wrap up that last. Mm-hmm. Bit. It's in. It's that's near. It's that's part of it. Happened. Yeah, okay. a little bit, but it's just really epic, and it's it's specifically in Sorcerer's Stone. Unfortunately, John Williams didn't do the rest of them, but another great composer finished out the franchise. Patrick Doyle did a pretty good job with um, Goblet, and then um, Nicholas Hooper did a good job with Half-Blood and Order, but Alexander Desplat, another one of my favorite composers, he finished out with Death- Deathly Hallows. He has a really specific style. What makes him, what, what makes Desplat really special as a composer, like John Williams, they both write and conduct the orchestra. Very few composers actually conduct the orchestra. They'll have a conductor on, on on the recording handling that, but those are two specific composers. It's very rare nowadays for that to happen, but that's what makes, I think, the Splat special. He has such a unique sound and tone. He's I think Wes Anderson found him after this Splat had like 20 years of a budding career, and then he seemed to seems to perfectly suit Wes Anderson movies. He's, he's done his last three um, but before that, he did a lot of great films. He did. He finished up a few of the Twilight movies, and then a lot of French films. But <laughs> they're actually good. They're good. Hey, I know. Um, I know the Twilight. I, I'll watch I've, them again. I've actually only seen the first Twilight, but I've listened to all of uh, Desplat's music. He did the last so, two. What you can do is just listen to the score, but read the books. Okay. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather watch the movie than read the books. I don't I'd rather sit there two hours than have to like read the book for two you know weeks what? The books go pretty sorry fast. casey casey i'm sorry <laughs> they go pretty fast they're good okay ish what if i get the italian version and i'll read those okay fine i mean oh. there are there are scenes that take place in italy and there's the part that takes place in the second one the second movie i saw where they filmed the part where she's like running through the crowd to find edward uh-huh it's in Italy. Um, where is it? It's in. I have to look it up because I forgot the name or the place. 
but I have pictures there. And I was like, oh my gosh, Edward, is that you? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, this one time I studied abroad in Milan and I can't stop talking about it. So that's why I have these pictures. Sorry. I hear it every, I hear about it every day. I'm sorry. I'm not that but he, sorry. But, but, now uh, he can't shut up about it. But they splot. He also he's done a really a lot of great films. He's been doing. Uh, he did Little Women. He did The Shape of Water, which I thought was really terrific that year. He won the Oscar that year for Shape of Water. Um, and he also he did a few. Extremely loud and incredibly close is a really great one. But Imitation Game is a terrific score. That's an excellent score. So they splot has been on my radar um, for over like, about ten years now. He's just he has no one really makes music like him. He has his own distinct style. Um, and then another. I mean. Another great composer that I love is Howard Shore. Although yes. I don't, the thing with Howard yep. Shore is I don't listen to that many scores of his. I listen to Lord of the Rings yep. a lot, yep. but it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Like the writers of Rohan, the Rohan alone is. Oh yeah, Chef's Kiss. Well, I think the the main theme is just incredible. It's I think it's Fire I think it's or... the best. It's the 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 weeping violin, the solo violin, the the rings theme. Oh, dun, I thought yeah. Dun, that's well, I'm thinking of Gollum's theme, so that's not correct. I would say dun, 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 dun. That is Gollum. That's the that's I would so, I would call it the rings theme though. The theme of the because you hear it throughout the yeah, entire franchise. Yeah, but if you look it up on Howard Shore and Oh, look, the actual name. I'm I'm mistaken. This is why you're on the show for this one. But that's yeah. I think I think the Fellowship of the Ring I think it could be the best score ever written for a movie. It's really incredible. That one in particular, there's a lot of range to it with the playfulness of Hobbiton um, mm-hmm. in the first act, and then epicness, uh, great character themes, really beautiful music, and really set the tone for the film. Uh, it really elevated the film to make it really something special. I think that it could be, like even comparing it to Star Wars, even comparing it to Harry Potter, I think what Howard Shore did with Lord of the Rings, the first one in particular, was just really sensational. Well, what's really great about Howard Shore is he there's a lot of comparisons that people like to do between Lord of the Rings and the Ring trilogy by Hans Wagner. Zimmer. No, by oh, Rick, oh, Richard Wagner. I thought you meant the horror the movies of the Ring. No, I'm ta- no, no, no. I'm talking about like the, <laughs> the opera. German composer. Yes, yeah, the German yeah. composer. He used he loved to use late motifs. Mm-hmm. Um and what does that mean, um, leitmotif? Leitmotifs are um, a theme, like a small theme, to represent a thing, an idea, a couple, a person. And you can use it whenever something's being foreshadowed. Like if you hear it in the background, you're like, oh, there's the, there's the mm. lover's theme. Uh-oh, something's going to happen. And you can like layer them on top of each other, which is just a really cool way to study and analyze the music. And... Um, Howard Shore does that with Lord of the Rings as well. So he's not only Lord of the Rings already isn't kind of related to the ring cycle, but also uses the same technique as Richard Bach, Richard, Richard Wagner. Sorry, don't come for me, people who don't, who speak German. Or it's going to be a very, it's going to be one person. <laughs> okay, well, it would have been me correcting them, so... So that's so a leitmotif is essentially what I would call a theme. What I just I just call like a character's theme or mm-hmm. something like that. Okay, gotcha. yeah, like the official music term. If you look it up in a music dictionary. Who are your um? What are like your favorite scores? Like some of your like list. Give me like your top five or so off the top of your head. 
Okay. Um, the Pride and Prejudice. Dario Marinelli. Yep. And oh, my dog's barking. Come on. And then Mars of Agesha as well. Um, because I already said that. And then sorry if you hear barking again. It's Leo. It's Leo, who's not named after Anthony. <laughs> his middle name. Um, okay. It's gonna be the like scores we've already said though, because I'm I, like I loved them so much. But don't don't be afraid. Say them. Okay. Go well then, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's <laughs> End. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it does have an epic 14 minute track at the end. It does, and you know what? That it's one great. is how I pass chemistry, and it just has a really special place in my heart. That one. Ah. Um. What else? I'd say. I love, um, but it's a theme, but like Moon River, it's like from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love the mm-hmm. entire score. The like, whole, yeah, that's like a favorite theme of yours. Got it. I, you know what? You know what's the score that I really love? It's one of my favorites uh, is Inception. Um, that really, that was also a big player in me getting, like falling in love with film music. I never heard anything like that and also relating it into the story so well with the Edith PF song. Um and basically slowing that down and creating the score based off of that, those notes. I thought it was really incredible and sensational. Um, definitely one of the most original scores of all time. And also, I think Dunkirk, um, it's hard to listen to on its own. I listen to a certain, a few certain tracks. Uh, it's actually good for – I love writing to it. Uh, it's very experimental. I think it's a really terrific score. Probably one of the most unique scores of the last um, several years uh, by Hans Zimmer as well. But I also love Dario Marinelli. He's a terrific composer. Yeah, he's like Joe Wright. Yeah, like, Joe Wright's composer. composer yeah. yeah, yeah. Except he didn't do Hannah, but he did all of Joe Wright's other films. Nino Rota, obviously the Italian master, and then um, Ennio Morricone, I think, is terrific. I love the Hateful Eight, which he finally won an Oscar for. Even though he's done, he's been making amazing film scores for decades, like Cinema Paradiso and so many great uh, European films. So, yeah, that one's a good yeah. one. It's a great out. one. It's really good. Um, oh, you know who else has a really good theme is the Romeo and Juliet theme from like the 19... Uh, Baz Luhrmann's? Called... No, not Baz Luhrmann's. It's mm-hmm. like um, called A Place for... A Time for Us is the name of the piece, but it's like mm-hmm. the theme for Romeo and Juliet from like the 1950s. You know the the, mo- the modern Romeo and Juliet has a great composer. Sorry, nineteen sixty-eight. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one, but um, Abel Korzeniowski is another great one. He did the mo- modern Romeo and Juliet with um, what's her name? Who she plays Hawkeye? Yeah, Haley Steinfeld. Yeah. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. So he did that. He also did Madonna's movie um, W. Was that what it's called? Yeah. W-E. I was like, he did not do a Vita. <laughs> really, me. really beautiful, really beautiful music. Also, Nicholas Bertel, I think, is on fire right now. He's did. Uh, he's been doing Succession, which is yep. the best music on TV now that Game of Thrones is over. Because Raman Jawali was Thrones, crushing it. Too. Wait, the Game of Thrones, like if we're going into TV, oh, that's yeah. amazing too. We can count TV because they do because there will be a composer that does both film and TV. And what um, Jawali did was absolutely – it's the best music ever made for TV in history. Uh, I listen to that music a lot. There's a lot of great um, – on YouTube, 
people will like ambient ambient music and people will use like the Winterfell theme and Jon Snow theme and they'll, they'll extend those for an hour and it's it's just great for relaxing background noise it, the but the Winterfell theme the the Lannister theme is excellent I I think what he did and he's doing a great job with Westworld too he's a really talented composer he he started out with movies and he did uh, uh the first Iron Man uh, and he's done some other movies as well but he really honed his craft with Game of Thrones um, yeah, that one's a really good one. Also, I do. Lo- okay, I will say that I did love the new Batman score. As I'm looking at like your posters in the background, I'm like mm. that. That one, Michael Giacchino did a great job. Does he ever sleep? He did Doctor Strange, the Batman, uh, the last Spider-Man, No Way Home. Yeah, he just did Thor. He's done like every major Disney movie. No, he does not sleep. I suppose. Well, but he, and he's doing. He does most of Pixar movies too. Yeah, because he did the Up theme. He did Coco. He did um, Ratatouille. He did, uh, yeah, Up is his best theme, though. It's his best piece of music. Um, but I'll, I think the Batman was really cool. I liked the brass. Uh, he set a great tone to it. But I, what I like about Giacchino is he he's like Williams where he keeps it with traditional instruments. He doesn't really use electronic stuff. He doesn't mix it up. Mm-hmm. I like that because he's sticking to the roots of orchestral composition, uh, and he still makes great sounds with the the old instruments. And I think that's there's really something special about that because so many composers nowadays they're experimenting. You can do so much with the computer now, uh, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. And I actually prefer that a lot of the time. But I I love Giacchino because he's like I'm gonna do the biggest movies. And I'm not going to do anything electric. I'm going to use the traditional orchestra. And I'm going to use the instruments I've always used to make the sounds. And I really like that about him. Mm-hmm. And I well, and I love how he does a lot of callbacks or like borrowing from without yeah. blatantly saying, oh, yeah, like, yeah. I wrote this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with Batman using like um, Chopin's Funeral March. Yeah. Or, uh, the Batman theme. And then with Doctor Strange, he like specifically did... Um, Toccata and Fugue by Bach, and then Beethoven's Fifth, and like when when bad or evil Doctor Strange was fighting Doctor Strange. Oh, with the notes. Doctor, yeah, with the notes, mm-hmm. like it switches back and forth, and then he also like brings in the tone clusters to go in with like what makes horror movie scores work well, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. I think he's the I think he's the closest thing we have to John Williams. Um, now that John Williams is retired, I think he really has taken up the mantle. Because their styles are quite similar. And what makes Williams very special is he started out as a, as a jazz pianist. And so he was playing this complex music, style of music, for so long. And I think that's what really fed into his musical composition. Why he, you listen to his scores and there's so many notes. There's so much going on. Especially movie scores like the Azkaban is all over the pl- There's like so much going on like during like the Quidditch match with the Dementors and you hear this, it's so complex, and you're like, how does his mind even handle this? And you can definitely see that his background in jazz played a huge part in the complexity of his writing for film. And you can hear, I'll, okay, so earlier you asked me, um, Hans Zimmer versus John Williams, like who would I pick mm-hmm. or who's better? And my answer was going to be, John Williams has created the most like iconic themes so far like Mm -hmm. unmatched but i think what hans early hans zimmer is kind of lazy yeah i said it 
But, he um, he doing, did borrow and he did actually reuse stuff. He, yeah, he did that a, a lot, a lot. And it's like so obvious with Pirates of the Caribbean and Gladiator. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's basically the same stuff. Also, but he's doing so much better and like yeah. so much more. His last 10 years has been incredible. Yeah, I would say yeah. like it's a new era for him or like he's in his. He's in his, he's his peaking. Boss bitch phase. Exactly. He's but he did. Hard. He Girl did actually. <laughs> Hans boss. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did borrow even from his first major score. His first big score was. Um, so he did uh, not his first one, but um, True Romance. Really Scott's movie that Tarantino wrote. And both uh, Rain Man, they have this playful xylophone, you know, dun, 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 dun. It's actually pretty much identical to a score that had come out before Rain Man came out by another composer. And if you listen to them, it's like literally a straight ripoff. And so you can see like, but also, I mean, that's a part of like all sorts of artists copy. Like Wes Anderson, he literally lifts scenes from old movies that no one has yeah. seen. And he puts them in his movies. Like Grand Budapest, there's a Jeff Goldblum scene where um, Willem Dafoe's chasing him across mm-hmm. the city. That is literally shot for shot for a Paul Newman movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's literally the entire like five-minute sequence is yeah. shot for shot a Paul Newman movie. Tarantino lifts a ton of stuff like from older films. So it's totally common for yeah, even filmmakers yeah. to borrow. And, we, and it's also the... I have to explain to my students who want to go into composition because they, they're they so focused on being original and like creating something that's their own. And I, I have to say like, we have access to too much information right now. So there's never going to be an original thought anymore. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Heard because there, it's, it's already been thought or like produced somehow. And so you just have to do like what makes you happy at like what you feel exactly. is right. And then if you did borrow something, you can like, twist it around the way that John Williams does and say, I was inspired by uh, mm-hmm. Shostakovich or uh, not per- yeah, Prokofiev and who else was the big one? And Holst. He loves his Gustav Holst. You're wicked smart. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, sorry. And there's one more that's like very modern and I can't remember. He did Firebird. And- but what a lot of people don't understand is when you hear music that's similar to like a famous score, like there's a great movie with Fassbender that Steve McQueen made called Shame. And there's the score actually lifts like completely rips off um, the thin red line that Hans Zimmer did, and then I and then uh, uh, he had Hans Zimmer actually do his film Twelve Years a Slave. So what happens with, a lot of times with, with directors is they'll go to a composer and they'll be like, "I want this score to sound like this score that this guy made or this gal made." And so, so oftentimes composers when they get a job they'll be like they're given the direction of like copying. Hans Zimmer's music or a copy and they splats music in this particular movie so that's why oftentimes you can hear similarities it's not really a lot of times it's not the composer trying to rip someone off it's like the director's vision is I like the director maybe listened to that while they wrote the script or while they were making the movie like this is the music this is what I have in my vision and so they just kind of copy or base it on that other composition so that's right. actually or, pretty common or a lot of times it's also like the students of those composers yeah as well or went to the same school like so many of Hans Zimmer's protégés, like yeah. Lauren Balf. Yeah, they're like they're that's what they know because yeah. that's what they were taught. And like it's um, not it's not a formula, but I I have a friend who did go to college for film and um video game scoring, and he said like right now it's getting very formulaic. Yeah, it's because those like 
Lauren Balfe with Assassin's Creed 3, and then there are, there are a few great scores, like Call of Duty has some good scores. That got me into video game scores, but I have gotten out of them. There's only a few that I listen to, but the thing with the Protégé thing is because a lot of composers, they come up under great composers like Hans Zimmer, Lauren Balfe in particular. It, John Powell also studied under Hans, and they were his producers, and so it's kind of like being an understudy to a, a great painter, and you develop their style. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then great painters, their their proteges and their students became great painters of their own, but they were using the same like style that their master teacher was using. Right. So that's yeah, it's, it's, it's that always been that way. When they're in fashion houses and they're like the head designer, and then create their own mm -hmm. brand. They're like, okay, why are you like? Why is Karl Lagerfeld ripping off Chanel? And it's like, well, well, fashion rips off all other fashion. Well, that's, <laughs> so every there's not an original thought in the world. That's exactly that. yeah, hundred percent. But Lauren Balfe, I think, is he's my favorite composer right now who's not already like one of the legends. He's had, he's had a great few years recently taking over Mission Impossible. He did a great score with The Tomorrow War. Uh, he did The Wheel of Time. Oh, that was a good score, too. The, yeah. um, sorry, you said Mission Impossible. And, yeah, uh, Fallout. Uh, no, no, I'm thinking of the... Also, he did... He did, um, he did you know his Dark Materials? Yeah, the TV show he does that one as well, and it's really just really excellent music. He's he's getting out of the Hans Zimmer mold. He's really doing his own thing nowadays with those TV shows and with the recent scores. Is Ghost Protocol the one where they start in Russia? Ghost Protocol, the Russia one is Ghost Protocol. Yes, yeah. Okay, so funny enough, that's Michael Giacchino. Yeah, um, yeah. He did, he did such a good job with that score yeah. too. Because that was also that back then was a, it was still a bad robot. Um, production. J.J. Abrams produced that one. He didn't direct that one. Andrew Stanton directed that one. But J.J. produced that. And now J.J. doesn't produce them. Now it's Skydance. So that makes sense why Giacchino got the job. Yeah, that was a good one. Especially the way he like makes Russia's. And I'm like, that's that's some Russian yep. music right there. Oh, yeah. And that's I love, yeah. Mother it's Russia. important to bring in the cultural elements and cultural styles of music when you're in international settings. I think it helps exactly. the theme. It's, it's terrific. Like at World's End, the opening act, it has those great it's Asian styles of music. Job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. Then, you know who? Okay, and I I will say like Ludwig Göransson. There's I've not realized how much he has done. Yeah, I'm like watching New Girl. I'm like he wrote the score for this. Wait, he did New Girl. He did New Girl. What? Yes. Oh and, wait, wait, wait. Best. Part, I didn't know that. Best part is I just had this realization. He helped produce and write Childish Gambino's. Yeah, um, all of his rap music. The um, what was it? It's, it has you seen me. Redbone. Red my Bone. favorite song is Bonfire. Okay, yeah. And there's a line where Childish Gambino goes, I put in work, ask Ludwig. And I always thought he's like, oh, yeah, Ludwig von Beethoven. Yep, he's getting uh -huh. his work done. Nope, he's not talking about Ludwig von Beethoven. <laughs> he is, he's talking about Ludwig Gorenson. Yeah. He's 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 really, uh, he changed the the musical tone for Star Wars with Mandalorian and yeah. Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, also, he did Creed. He did, yeah, he Black Panther. Yeah, studying that. Yeah, he won the Oscar for Black Panther. Well, and then it makes you think: shouldn't we already? So he did such a good job with that because he had the time and how much prep time to go to Africa and study the specific uh -huh. instruments. Okay. And like learn the history behind it. Like it's almost like he did um, a master class in it from people who. Mm grew up with it and then could use it in a way that made sense and was meaningful to the Black Panther film. 
what if we did that for all composers and all yeah movies? we can't we like we just don't have the time because capitalism <laughs> <laughs> and that sharp left but uh he is he's uh, ryan coogler's composer he's done all of coogler's movies uh so we did creed one and two as, as well and uh, he's become nolan's new secondary composer after hans because he did tenet which i love tenet is so good he did such a great job with that uh and he's doing oppenheimer uh, because Hans is already booked. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to be seeing Oppenheimer before Barbie. I don't know about you, but that's my... Um, no, I will be seeing Barbie right away. Yeah, I mean... Um, no, Margot I, don't... Robbie. I can't blame you. I can't blame you. But, you, you the... know, they really missed out with Glenn Powell. He could have been Ken. That would have been... Glenn Powell, he does. He looks like the Ken doll. He really could have been. He does Ken. look like the Ken doll. Better, better than Ryan Gosling, I'll say it. Not I, still, I still can't believe he's the. Uh, he was in Dark Knight Rises at the Stock Exchange. <laughs> I still can't believe that. That's the guy. <laughs> no, I still love him as Chad Radwell in Scream Queens. Yeah, you sent me that. I still haven't seen that. I'm probably never going to watch it. No, don't. So no, it, sorry. no, it just has Nick Jonas and Glenn Powell, and that's all you need. Uh, it's, all, it's all she wrote. <laughs> but Top Gun was a great score. I love how he brought back um, Hank uh, for, the, for helping the music because Hank set this tone with that great original theme for Top Gun. There's something about electric guitar in scores sometimes it doesn't work but sometimes it just feels sometimes right it really does yeah, yeah that like top gun is one where it's does. like oh fucking shred it yes yeah. now lauren is a member of the chosen one patreon tier on our patreon and one of the amazing perks of this tier is that uh, every third month of your membership you get to appear on our show as a guest Okay, so there's so many composers. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. We're just going to we're basically talking about our favorite composers and music that we listen to a lot. But just to name off some other amazing composers real quick, Johnny Greenwood has emerged as one of the most unique voices in film composition working with Paul Thomas Anderson, There Will Be Blood, The Master, uh, Phantom Thread, uh, so many great scores recently. Rachel Portman has done a lot of great work especially in the costume genre. Hildur Guanadotir, I hope I said that right. She's actually one of my favorite recent composers to come uh, and into the spotlight. She won an Oscar for Joker, and she also composed the music for Chernobyl, which is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's a great miniseries, and the music she made for it is exceptional. Gustavo Santoriala, a Mexican composer, he works uh, with a lot of acoustic guitar in his scores. He's done some video games as well. Uh, really beautiful stuff. Brokeback Mountain, uh, in particular, is his best score. It's really sensational. Jung Jae Il, a great South Korean composer. He's on fire right now. He just did Parasite and Squid Game, as well as a ton of other great South Korean films. But I think Parasite was really amazing. And then Squid Game was terrific. Uh, Ying Wok Jo, he's done some Park Chan Wook films and a bunch of other South Korean films. The Handmaiden is my favorite. It's, it's a score that I listen to a lot. Uh, Shigeru Umebayashi, a Chinese composer. Lots of great epic scores. Inception has great guitar themes as well. Johnny, um, what's his name from the Smiths, the guitarist? I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. The, but the Smiths guitarist did the guitar for Inception. Okay, uh, back to Hans Zimmer. He did a really great uh, electric <laughs> guitar moment. <laughs> the Caribbean. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> oh wait, yeah, in in Deadman's chest or something. Yeah, What's it? no, in, yeah, yeah. in um, at World's End, it's like uh-huh. when they're all meeting on the sand strip, and like uh-huh. it sounds like it could be like a spaghetti western. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought it was, is it a steel guitar? 
it's a regular guitar. I, I wonder. Know. I'm gonna have to find it. Because I was don't play to it though. today while while on the treadmill. Don't play it. Play it for me. Send it to me later because we can't play it unfortunately. I think oh, a really par- the name is Parlay is the name of the Parlay. Um... Oh, when all of them are on the beach, yeah, with the sand, with the box, yep. the heart in the box. I know what you're talking about. Yep, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, but before John Williams, there was Bernard Herrmann, and he did a lot of Alfred Hitchcock's movies. He did a lot of great classics uh, from the 40s and 50s and 60s, and he really paved the way for changing the style of music in film which was very traditional. It was very formulaic. Um, it never really pushed any boundaries, but he, like North by Northwest is one of my favorite themes, and also Cape Fear is one of my favorite Northwest. themes. Psy- Psycho, obviously, is so legendary. But Bernard Herrmann really paved the way for film composition becoming experimental and something different. And so every composer, even John Williams, they owe their like their artistry to composers like Bernard Herrmann. You mean you don't like Henry Mancini? Well, I don't think I've listened to much Henry Mancini. Okay, well, do you know the Pink Panther theme? Not off the top of my head. Pink Panther theme. Hum it. Ba-da, ba-da. Oh, ba-da, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, the Pink Panther was a great detective movie. It was a and series. And he did a lot of Audrey Hepburn movies, and a bitch mm. loves Audrey Hepburn movies. Funny Face is great. That's and, underrated. No, Funny Face is a really good movie. And Henry, yeah. um, Humphrey Bogart is. I just watched Casablanca on the plane. Olivia just watched Casablanca. Oh, My no sister. way. Cheers. Shout out, Olivia. Hey, ciao, Olivia. <laughs> and she watched it with her new book, her new bow. Her new she, bow. She's moving up in the world. She's got a bow. She must yeah, be, she must broke be nice. Her old bow, got a new bow. <laughs> All right, next question. What's your fav- What's your favorite movie scores to work out to? Or like tracks that like pump okay, you um, up? One of them is you have it on your workout playlist. But So I, what's, my, what's my workout playlist called? It is called Super Awesome Workout Mix. That's right. Super Awesome Workout Mix. It's pretty By great. Anthony Devaney. If it's you baller. need to work it up on Spotify, folks. It is four Super, hours yeah. and six minutes long. So if you need four hours worth of material to work out to, there you go. I got go. you covered. But I put a lot it, of work into the list. It was that. It's my taste. Okay, that one was mm. my high school running song yeah. because it really. Makes oh, it I, oh my god! Same. I like what I would play that around, running around my neighborhood. I'm like, someone's following me. Someone's following me. Like yeah. I, I pretended I was in the movie. So I mean. Yeah, Zach Hempsey. He made that for the Inception trailer. He was hired yeah. to make that music yeah. for the trailer. Yeah. And I love like I used to be that person who would look up scenes. Where they put over, <laughs> you they take a movie scene and then they put like a different score over it, and you're like, "But oh, uh, it works so well." It still plays. It still plays. It works, and that one was one of them. And I'm not gonna lie, I think it was to like a Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, another great running song, if because when you need to burn out, like when I used to run, I used to run like when I was younger. James is the runner now, but at the end of my run, I would sprint for two minutes yeah and that's what like, i would put on like i would so, warm up to build up to yeah. like when i'm being yeah. really chased so i could i would put on fields of pelinor and lord of the rings return of the king because it has a slow like 40 second build up to like build up anticipation and pump you up and then it just unloads on the epicness and the qu- in the chorus and just like the crazy strings and 
and percussion and horns and that I would, I could sprint like a madman listening to that. <laughs> but my favorites to work out to now, Dark Knight Rises really pumps me up. No, you um, know what? Um, you like Batman Begins though is also. Batman Begins, yeah, it's it's more of like I'll listen to it if I'm doing a light workout, but if I need to like put down some heavy yeah. weight, I'll put on Dark Knight Rises, like the, the Bane themes, mm-hmm. and also Man of Steel. That's really great if you need to get a good set in. But like I'm talking Wonder like Woman if you, theme? yeah, Wonder Woman's um, Wonder Woman 1984 in particular, I like. Oh, I know. Better. Yeah, you you put that one in, but I yeah, when I was like, mm, this isn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Hey, but... to to each their own. You know what? Okay, but I'm just I just meant like the issue with you. Um Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, track. Yeah. And just that's in, yeah, bust, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That was but a those good one. these like tracks that like the thing with Man of Steel is I'll fast forward to like the Superman theme because I'll need it for like I need like thirty seconds to lift something heavy. And like so that's a track where it's like I'll just fast forward to, I know it's like two minutes, 30 seconds to get to the Superman theme of what are you going to do when you're not saving the world, that particular track. And when I hear the Superman theme, it just gives me like energy to do what I have to do for like that 30 second burst. Whereas like Batman Begins is a score that you can listen to while you go for a walk or for like a a less intense workout. That's something great to listen to. But like I have particular tracks that are set up where like Gladiator during Barbarian Horde, that track... You fast forward to five minutes, like forty seconds. You get to the hero theme, um, Maximus's hero theme, dun, 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 and it's then you start hearing. That. When I hear that, I can l- do my like thirty seconds of high energy lifting. That will pump me up too. Like, wait, is it in the battle one? The one that's like ten it's, minutes. Yeah, long? it's in the battle. Yes, yeah, in the battle and in Barbara. There are yeah. so many parts that I have like chunked and been like, this yeah. is from this, this is from this, and this is from this. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 da. Is that pirates or is that gladiator? <laughs> like you're not fooling anybody. You, this it's because he. It's because he wrote pirates in uh, a night, and so he just like did what he just did the year before. You know what? It was still a genius. It's a genius. <laughs> well, it's not just the so people make fun of the 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 dun, 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 like that stuff, but like it's really uh, the the score the score's a lot more than that. The Jack yeah. Sparrow's theme, the violin. Uh, it's a really terrific theme, uh, and and what he he progresses like the personality of Jack Sparrow into that theme really well. The up and down nature of the character, yeah, the, unpredicta- the unpredictability of him, it's great. And you feel like you're drunk listening to it. Like he exactly, really, like, he did a really good job in the second one. I'm like, I feel like I'm drunk on rum, going. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's great. And also Sherlock Holmes is another great one. He really captured the personality of this particular character, and I think Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows has. Some of the best music made, like literally in the last twenty years, like there's some like moments of that score that like with the deep strings and he he made the score more epic. The first one was a little bit more uh, smaller in scope, but he really expanded the language of that of the music for that one, and it has really some great special moments in that score in particular. I love it. You also made me think of Sherlock Holmes, the Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. David uh, Arnold and I, I love the music for that too. Yeah, David Arnold's great. He did a lot of Bond. So cheeky. Yeah, but he David Arnold also did um, a few of the Pierce Brosnan and Bond movies, and he also did Casino Royale, which is great. Yeah, Pierce was a great, great Bond. He was growing up. He was our Bond. I saw. Yeah, I saw all of his movies growing up. You were still a little baby. Okay, well that didn't stop me from watching uh, Titanic at five at a. 
<laughs> that might be a little too young for Titanic. Yeah, I had no business watching that, but the rule was I was allowed to watch the first VHS because uh, my mom didn't know the scenes that were. Ah. Uh, she thought they were on the second VHS. Ah. Uh, oh I yeah, Titanic had two much. VHSs. I saw a little too much. <laughs> yeah, the drawing scene's definitely in the first yeah, hour and a half. Yeah, that's the first one, and so is the car yeah. scene. Yeah, I don't know who I don't know who decided that. Like that's the the second the second VHS was all like action. Yeah, and the, but then also like is the most gut wrenching part. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Wait, who did the Notebook? Because also, thanks, the Notebook. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. Or also makes me cry. The Notebook. I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I mean, like, I know I'll be seeing you as in it. I love Billy Holiday. Hmm. All right, who did it? I do not know. I've not heard of him. Did it not have a composer? No, it did. His name is Aaron Zygman. American composer. Aaron Zygman. That's, that might be the... Con- oh, yeah. what? He did Sex in the City. He did Bridge <laughs> the Terabithia. Oh, no, I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> no, he did Escape from Planet Earth. Alpha Dog. Alpha Dog. Oh my! What a weird, what an eclectic filmography. Oh, uh, Mister Mister Magorium's Wonder Emporium. Emporium. <laughs> He's some, done some Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> wow, it gets all over. Mister Wright, he did. That's a fun movie. Oh, with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. Yep. Yeah, that's a cute movie. That is cute. Oh, he movie. did Tyler Perry. Yep. Oh, okay. He did Aquila and the Bee. Okay. Interesting. He did the proposal. He he's the rom com guy. He did he's the rom. He's the romance guy. Yeah, he is. Nice girl. Like, yeah, this is de- he definitely does uh, romantic comedies. What do you think about Danny uh, Elfman? Father of the Father of the Bride. Hmm. Didn't wait? Didn't Hans Zimmer do that? Father of the Bride? I don't know. I don't even know that movie. I'm that up in my head. I don't know. I think I'm hearing Jackie Schimmel say that in my head, and that's another podcast plug. Sorry, folks. So it's Steve Martin, part two. No, Alan Silvestri did that. My bad. Speaking of Alan Silvestri. Classic composer. He's done a lot of the. He did a lot of the early Avengers movies and also a ton of big budget movies in the nineties. He was. I love, um, I love he's Portals. A, That's a great. Yeah, Portals. He's also Spielberg's number uh, two. Which one? Spielberg's number two guy. If if uh, oh, okay. John if John Williams doesn't do a score for Spielberg from scheduling conflicts, Alan Silvestri does it. So he did. Alan Silvestri oh, yeah, did Ready Polar Player Earth One. Was. Yeah, that's Polar a good one too. Yeah, he does all of. Um, Frank, uh, what's oh my god? Uh, Robert Zemeckis's movies. He's uh, he's Robert Zemeckis's composer. He's so Alan Silvestri has done. Rob, he's done Forrest Gump. Uh, mm-hmm. He did he did Flight. Like all those movies by Zemeckis. Castaway. <laughs> Castaway is great. Yeah, Beowulf. Yeah, Zemeckis did Beowulf. That sucked. <laughs> that movie, the CGI was not ready for that movie. No, I, no, no. I just thought I, I understand why he did it. CGI. Well, actually, I I think. So he he did it worked for Polar Express because it's a kids movie, but like for Beowulf, man, it just did not work. Just make why don't you just make it live action, man? No. And Kate Blanchett's in that, and it's like you don't even see her face. 
I thought Kate Bl- I thought Kate Blanchett was in the new um, season of The Boys, but that was not her. It was not. not oh, really? Who did you think she was? I thought she was Crimson. Oh, Crimson something. Um, Countess or whatever. Yeah, Crimson. She Countess sounded like her. Yeah, that that actress is in um. She's been in a ton of stuff. She's in The Walking Dead. I did not she's watch in the that fir- one. She's in the she's in the first two seasons of The Walking Dead. Sorry, folks, I did not watch that one. What do you think about Danny Elfman? Where's he? Oh my gosh, wait, I forgot about him. Because how could um, we? What were we? I was watching the other day. I was listening to the Spider-Man theme, and um, oh, he just does such a good job of making it feel like there's something crawling all over you. Yeah, he's amazing. That's my favorite theme of his, especially. Yeah, the just the opening title tracks is amazing. It's a terrific theme. The strings when I hear like those soft strings opening, it always gives me goosebumps. Yeah, he, and he does that with well, not with it's the soft string, but it's like in the double bass and the cello with the Batman theme. Mm-hmm. And he's always had a great use of choir work in his mo- in his scores, especially yeah, most I of Tim Burton's movies. And choir for his movies. I would yeah. love to do that. That'd be amazing to do. And for um. Howard Shores. I would love oh, yeah. to, to do the Lord of the Rings. Like, imagine seeing that on set, like in the recording studio. Yeah, and I would cry. Well, so what? A question for you. You you'll know this. Like, when a choir, like an epic scene, and you hear the choir singing, what exactly are they singing? Are they singing Latin? Uh, are they singing a language, oh, or are they just singing notes? Or it what exactly? I mean, uh-huh. like with Lord of the Rings, they're probably singing in Latin. Like Latin is always overused to be like it's old timey. Or something bad is happening, or like a mm. witch is casting a spell. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've always wondered, um, is it a different language, or are they just singing just like it's, sounds, yeah, I mean, sounds that sound like a note? Latin, or if it's like, and sometimes they'll sing in Elvish. So if a composer, like, so say, say Howard Shore for Lord of the Rings or like Tim Burton for his stuff, are they writing the lyrics themselves of like the Latin lyrics, or are they drawing from something else? Or I could, could, yeah. They could have both. It... Some people will do like the lyrics for it. Other people will, like Stephen Sondheim did the lyrics for one movie, and then Leonard Bernstein did the music. He was like, "Hey, I hate your music, but I love your lyrics, so you can write the lyrics for my movie." Ah, uh, interesting. Because it was a movie first. Thanks for uh, solving that. Uh, conundrum for me. I always like was wondering, are they just like BSing it or <laughs> is this actually yeah, no, in language? I mean, sometimes I'm sure there's times where they're copying out and just being like, mm. just do it in Latin and like it, it sounds legit. And then mm. other times, like with um, like Dune's not Latin, like with Black Panther, and when the choir is singing in the background, mm-hmm. they're like singing, yeah. um, it's in the Wakandan language, I believe. Yeah. So it's, it's the made up the made up language for it. Yeah, or I'm sure uh, in Game of Thrones they did like pieces that were sung in uh, Valyrian or like Dothraki. Ah, uh, yeah, the chanting and stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Are you looking forward to a Jon Snow uh, sequel series? No, I'm Me not either. gonna watch it. I don't. I'm, I don't think we needed it. I wonder if Kit Harrington just can't get film work. He was in an episode of um, like a. Criminal. Yeah, the love show, the love romance show. But I'm talking about film. No, not that. I'm talking about like it's a BBC uh, film series. Like yeah, the criminal one, the investigation one. Yeah, and they're like yeah, asking, yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, in, that's not he's a love the... triangle one, or no, like a, that yeah. episode. Yeah, that was it was good. Yeah, where he's being interrogated. The whole yeah, the whole the whole episode. Being, he yeah. did a good job being like a fucker. Like I hated yeah. him. 
was like, yeah, he played a good asshole. He played a good asshole. He was a really good asshole. Yeah. But I wonder if maybe he's not getting maybe the film roles he wanted to go back to TV. It's interesting. Or maybe like, I mean, HBO has that. Warner Brothers has the fat paychecks. He's Jon Snow. He can make a million an episode. Maybe that could be why. Maybe or and also maybe, maybe, I don't know. Because it seems like that show might have been a lot of, it, was, it had to have been a lot of work. Like so many night shoots in the freezing cold, very physical role. It must have been tough to do. And to, maybe he just misses it too. I guess I was surprised. I guess I was surprised he went to it so quickly because Game of Thrones just ended three years ago. Yeah, and didn't he didn't want to do roles like that anymore because yeah. I remember yeah. like when Game of Thrones was ending, he like made an interview about that. Yeah, he's like I'm. Fu- he's like I'm effing done. Yeah. So who knows? It's with HBO though. It's the HBO Max show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that could also be why because like his wife, um, the one who played Egret, Leslie, time traveler's wife. Yeah, she's in Time Traveler. Rose Leslie. Rose Leslie. Rose Leslie. And she's like, it's weird seeing her in that character for me because I feel like she could have been pigeonholed into a type. Mm -hmm. And it's really unsettling, not unsettling, but. But your guy's in that show. Your guy's in that show. Oh my God. Theo James. (laughs) Oh my God. He is fine. And I'm not talking about the young Theo James. I'm talking about when he's like 40. I'm like, little gray, little gray in there. Oh my God. The little salt and pepper. I saw the trailer and I don't know. I can't look past that wig he has on, like the long-haired <laughs> wig. It looks terrible. I don't know who did they. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. From from John Tucker Must Die. Ah, uh, I never or saw that. One. No, did he get the haircut in Easy A? No, he didn't. Don't listen. Oh, he's John Tucker. No, he plays John Tucker's brother. Oh, uh, okay. Gotcha. Like the nerdier one, with and he has like the longer hair. Wait, Theo James. G- Theo James no, played no, a nerd. No, no, no. The hair that like reminds me, the wig oh. that Theo James has reminds me of Penn Badgley's hair and John oh, Tucker. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I understand. Those who know who those, if you know, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I'm not up to speed. Not educated. What's your favorite? What's what's your favorite superhero theme of all time? a tough question that's a really tough what's yours i'll give you mine while you while you think it over i gotta go with this actually is a tough question um <laughs> I'm gonna wait go... wait you could re you could rephrase it which superhero theme is your favorite in the john williams version or like the Han Zimmer version <laughs> 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 or how about just call up a character? Or the Danny Elfman version. Because I would go Joker in The Dark Knight. I think it's the most affecting theme in a comic book movie. Because when you hear that theme, it just elicits fear. And it suits the character so well. So this rising, it's, uh, they used the cello and modified it. And what I can't remember what the term is called, where the sound just seems to always, always keep rising and rising and rising, but it just never stops. I can't remember what that, uh, that term is called for that. It's crescendoing. Like yeah, yeah, Nintendo. yeah, and it just—I don't just, know, like yeah, I don't know when it stops. Part I just mm-hmm. know that, like, to mm-hmm. continue getting louder. Yeah, but and but when you hear it, it doesn't sound like a cello. It sounds like a guitar that you're like sliding the the pick on. To me, mm-hmm. that's what it kind of sounds like. But although they use a cello to do it, but it, it just sounds like you like the, it builds suspense and anxiety so well. And mm-hmm. when you hear that, and when you hear that in the movie, 
yeah. it matches him so well. I, I think it's just really an incredible idea and a concept to put into a score. It's so simple, and it's just one note just, that just never ends. And I think it's just yeah, really and remarkable. That's, probably, that's the unsettling part. And yeah. uh, I have, I'd have to listen to it to like picture it, but I wonder if they're not doing any like vibrato on the string either. Maybe like, so that it doesn't sound like it's wavering at all because a lot of times in music. Oh, they do it. Yeah, they do that at the end when do that. They, when the, so is it like straight tone the whole time, and then all of a sudden they like fi- you finally hear like. It goes. It goes like in waves, like on side to side, left to right, at the end of that theme. I'll send you the track. Okay. You hear, you hear, that's like yeah. another thing that can be very unsettling is hearing something so straight tone, mm-hmm. because it sounds kind of out of tune because the vibration waves science for you. The vibration waves like make a circle around the note that we hear, so mm-hmm. it could be sounding like it's out of tune or dissonant. And then what he also does, so he has like the the that one note just never ending, and then he'll throw on the percussion like huge strum, just like one hit, one hit, dun 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 dun, and it's really incredible. I think it's the best um, piece of music made for comic books characters. Like a character. Yeah. Hmm. What about you? What do you got? Right, at world's end. At world's end. The original <laughs> Superman theme is like it's so. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it's so good. Like it's just the so drums. Strange. Yeah, the percussion. But, yeah. Um, I don't think it's like realistic anymore. Hey, hey, it worked it in worked the, time. For the time. It worked for yeah. the time, and it's so yeah. iconic. And it's yeah. every time I'm at Six Flags, and I'm in line for the Superman theme, I'm always humming along because they play it over the speakers. That's that's my number two. So it's a great pick. That's my number it's, two. It's really good, and then I, I would. I it, yeah it's 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 hard to pick but I think then the spider Danny Elfman Spider-Man theme that one is that one's yeah. so good too. it's you just feel like there's spiders crawling all over you and like they're kick, like crawling in on themselves you just feel suffocated mm. it's remarkable it's really great I love it yeah so those are my, those are my top three those are my top three comic book movie ones what do you what's uh what are some underrated scores that you that people probably don't know of that you like to listen to like mm. something that's not mainstream well like i feel like the hunger games one is like underrated it is underrated i actually listen to that all the time but there's certain parts like i hate there there are parts where when they're just in district 12 i hate it because like there's so barely sound yeah. it's it, it can be very quiet i actually have a compilation of hunger games tracks with all the good bits, because there are bits yeah. that are like, they get a little too very quiet, and you have to like turn the volume up, and you can't really hear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so experimental for me. But... Yeah, yeah. There are there's like some it's stuff. There are tracks that are hard to listen to. They're kind of like disturbing to your ears. Yeah. The effects that he's doing on them. So there are tracks like that, but the main themes are really beautiful and very yeah. very the powerful. Hunger, the the capitals theme or the horns of plenty one. Yeah. Is so good, and then mm-hmm. when they are all doing the. The hanging tree in the third movie, or in the, the part two, yeah. and they're all doing like the strike. That's really cool. The music like that, just really helps add to the scene. That track has like a three hundred million downloads on Spotify. Jennifer really? Lawrence is the one where Jennifer Lawrence sings. Yeah, she's singing, and then but like not just her singing. I need like the mm. whole orchestra. The, everyone, everyone joins in. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She, it starts out. The track starts out with her singing by herself for a minute, and then the voices in the orchestra come in, and it becomes really powerful. It's, yeah, ter- and- it's a terrific piece of music. And also, he made a score, I Am Legend, James Newton Howard, that is terrific. Sam, Sam's Sam Gone, I think, is a no, track. That movie, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That movie makes me so sad. I was yeah. depressed days after. No, no, no. No, no. So I got good. It's so dog. good. 
Sam. Oh, poor Sam. So there's um Dario Marinelli. I think is he's one of my favorite composers. That's super underrated. And there's a score in particular that he did. What's with Fassbender and Mia Wasikowski? It's a famous novel. Why can't I think of the name? Not Anna Karenina because Michael Fassbender is not in that. No, it's that is also a great score. Uh, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre. Oh. Jane Eyre is yeah. one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite scores of all time. It's really amazing. Um, because people like when people think of Dario, they'll go Pride, Prejudice, Atonement, which are great. And Atonement's really cool because he used an actual typewriter in the score, mm-hmm. and he actually it, it utilized the actual sound and percussion. He he used typing in a typewriter as percussion, yeah, which is so cool. Found um, sound. You could call it. Oh yeah, thank you for that. I didn't know that. I love that score, but my favorite of his is Jane Eyre. It's really beautiful, um, tragic, uh, romantic, uh, just really stunner of a, of a score. It's one of my favorites. And I think uh, Cliff Martinez also is a really amazing composer. He's done a lot of Nicholas Winning Refn scores like Only God Forgives in Drive. Uh, he's very electric, uh, electronic. And then Benjamin Walfish has become a recent favorite of mine. He's He's been doing... Uh, a lot of horror scores. He did It and It 2, uh, and that's yeah, so good. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, and the, oh, that's a good one, too. It is, I mean, it's really underrated. Is the it's great. Shining soundtrack is... Right, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. The Shining theme is so... Oh, so... I mean... It's a great score. Line, that theme is really... Yeah, he also did a cure, the cure, a cure for Wellness that he also did, which is excellent. Uh, he's become like a great horror composer, and he also helped Hans with uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is a terrific score as well. They doubled, they um, double tag teamed on that one. Mm, and then Marco Marco Beltrami, I love as well. He does all of James Mangold's movies, like he did Logan, he did A Quiet Place Part One and Two. What do you mean? There's music in a quiet? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shut up. Quiet the whole time. Can I tell you a funny story about what my sister did in theaters yeah. with that? I would love to hear a funny story about Olivia. Um, so it is the beginning of the movie. It's completely silent. She decides instead of opening up the food that she brought into the theater with her, instead of opening it during the trailers and everything, she decides to crack open a can of <laughs> 7-Up or some type of soda in the theaters and it's during like one of the quietest parts and my mom looks at her she's like are you serious right <laughs> he opens a foil wrapped piece of pizza during the movie during the movie oh my god olivia <laughs> james james did something similar we went, we went to the movies this was like a month ago was that with um, chips or cereal no it was cereal so we're we're the trailers are almost done we're on the last trailer and then he pulls out of his sweatshirt a huge Ziploc bag filled of filled with cereal, and I'm I'm just in the corner of my eye. I'm looking at him. Yeah. And then he starts he starts eating it during the trailer, and I just all I hear is the and then the uh, the the final trailer start and we're getting the, the movie's about to start like the credits are starting and the company logos are going and then I look to him I'm like you better are you gonna be eating that during the because you need to put that away right now. Like, like, I was like, you, you chose literally the loudest snack imaginable to eat, to chew on. Immediately. <laughs> he he, he no. did stop. He stopped eating when the movies played. But I was like, a bag of cereal <laughs> to the movies? 
who did um the original okay you know what who did um, the the movie's problematic now but i love gone with the wind and like the theme for um, oh yeah the that's theme, a great score yeah the theme for the their plantation their home i don't know who did it let's find out music by max steiner max steiner Ooh. okay oh he conducted his first operetta when he was 12. he's very mozart geez louise that's young yeah, a lot of those composers, they started out as child prodigies. and Well, he was born in Vienna, Austria, so of course... It's the place for it. giving Mozart. Because so was Mozart. <laughs> Johann, Johansson, Johann Johansson is a great composer, too. He uh, passed away um, four years ago, I believe, but he made some really great scores. He did a lot of uh, Denis Villeneuve movies like Prisoners and Sicario oh. and Arrival. Yeah. So good. Prisoners is so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh it's God. it's so hard to watch though. It is. It's like one of the. I don't know. I don't need to do a repeat viewing. I'm good. Oh, I've seen it like five times. I love it. Who I'm did Gone Girl? Because like the the main menu theme. Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Myself. Yeah. The the main menu theme. <laughs> <laughs> well, so David Fincher for that score. Um, well, he started working with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. Uh, with Social Network was the first one they did with him. Fincher actually wanted to get them to make his music all of his career, but Nine Inch Nails was so big in the 90s, they were always touring and making music. They didn't have time to do film score. And then he finally had time uh, when Social Network came around, so then he they agreed to do it. And they, they suit Fincher's tone perfectly. Uh, and Social Network is an amazing score. But for Gone Girl, he goes to the he goes to the Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and his, his pitch for them was, I want you to get make spa music, but the way you would do spa music. So that's Gone Girl. So next time you listen to Gone Girl score or watch the movie, it has a spa feeling to it, to the music. It, it feels like you're in a spa. Sorry, I thought of another another underrated score what is that, it? I've, that I heard while I was getting massaged at a spa. <laughs> and I was like, this sounds like it's from this movie. And then I looked it up, and I was correct. But um, let's see who did, did you, uh, you Other Boleyn Girl. Oh, the other Bowling Girl. Um, who did it? I love those movies. I love Anne Boleyn. She's my favorite wife of King Henry VIII. She's the only one that matters. Scarlett Johansson. Did, did Scarlett Johansson play him or Natalie Portman play her? Uh, Natalie Portman played Anne Boleyn, and then Scarlett Johansson played her sister. Mary. Got it. Got it. From they the painting. Both, they are scissor sisters. Not scissor sisters. So sorry. Uh, they are Eskimo sisters. Sisters? Oh, who are they both sleep? With who? With King Henry VIII. Oh, gotcha, like, gotcha. The sisters in real life. Um, Scar- music, Scarlet, I- Scar- oh, sorry. No, you're good. Um, I don't know if Scarlett Johansson and Natalie Portman are scissor sisters. I mean, sorry, Eskimo sisters. <laughs> no, I meant, uh, I was going to no, say Scarlett Johansson looks just like the girl from the Vermeer painting. She, no, have you seen that movie? Yeah. That's a good movie too, Girl the Pearl Earring. Yeah, Girl the, yeah, Girl the Pearl Earring, yeah. Perth is in it. Scarlett Joe did a couple of those costume dramas, and then she was like, yeah, I'm done with these. And Killian Murphy's in it. <laughs> Killian Murphy's in that? Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, he plays, like, the love interest, like, very, for a very uh-huh. short little peep, okay. peep, peep. 
cute little little dude, little this guy. He has like long he's, hair. Oh, he's so little. Oh, you're so Dutch and stuff. Oh, cute. Now you're a butcher and you're having, you're making out in an alley. Cute. Fully dressed. Cute. <laughs> All right. Who did the score for Bowling Girl? Okay. It's Paul, Paul Cantalone and he's born in Glendale, California. Oh, hey, he went that's to not, yard. not far from me. He studied with Andrew Andre Gautier at the Geneva Conservatory of Music in Switzerland. He's way smart. He's very smart. He did another day for Mozart. I don't know what that is. Um, well, he's been recorded by Yo-Yo Ma. We love Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, cool. He's, yeah, he's definitely the really pianist. All up in the no Yo-Yo Ma's the uh, cellist. He is in Seven Years in Tibet. And he's oh also yes, in, yes, um, yeah. Of a geisha, too. geisha, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's credit. He has the credit, co-credit in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jane Fonda in Five Acts. He did the score. He did the score for the visit. Oh really? <laughs> yep. Not bad. Double I also music. I love. Um, do you like Philip Glass? I think he's a great composer <laughs> too. He's so sad. You look, look at it. I'm so sorry. Hot take. I well, okay. There's like one. There's one piece by Philip Glass that I like enjoy, but only because of like an ex introducing me to the piece, and like we bought like we had a first date, like listening to it. And we listened to it and bonded over that. So like the mm. something on the beach. I don't know. I I I mainly listen to his scores. He's done scores for the hours and notes on a scandal. Which are really great movies in Glass are uh Glass Einstein on the Beach is an opera by Philip Glass. And there's like the last act and it's mm. you can hear a lot of where Hans Zimmer gets his inspiration for Interstellar. And like Oh really? I'll yeah, have to check it like out. There's a lot of parallel. I'm like, this is this is getting oh, I, I freaking love Interstellar. That's a great score. The organ. Oh my god, it gets me. That yeah, score gets me emotional. Like <sighs> that, that gets me. Like I can't even listen to Cornfield Chase. Wait, if you like Philip Glass, though, then you should watch. <laughs> it's an opera, mm-hmm. but it's it's on Oppenheimer. It's oh, called cool. Doctor Atomic. Send it my way. I'll check it out. I mean, it wasn't my favorite thing that we had to study in college, but it's still cool. And it's about Oppenheimer, so you know. It can, it's a cool it theme can for like an a opera. View, a double view or a double feature. You watch the musical and watch the opera and then watch the movie. Yeah. I'll pregame with the opera. Time. Yeah, I'll pregame I'll pregame with the opera and then I'll go watch the movie. It's like a three hour opera. You're not gonna pregame. Yeah, maybe I will post game it. No. Don't do that either. <laughs> it's gonna be a long time too. <laughs> it's just oh, you have to be in the right lesson. We they would play that in our little campus movie theater that we had like cinema that we had when um we had to study it for freshman freshman studies like you know those liberal arts schools make you do like one of those classes where you study like a work from every like one from the humanities one from the science like we had to read something about physics and my brain went out out of there we had to like watch seven years in algiers or something and we had Dr. Atomic, and they were showing it, and, like, the only way to go to those was, like, trashed. And everybody, you know, <laughs> Well, what else is there to do in college? Get high. Get trashed. Don't don't get high and watch a uh, smog. 
the desolation of smog. Smog. Don't watch that because every time somebody dies, you're gonna be like, <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I don't know what I was doing. Hmm. That was a good conversation. I know. Thanks for and thanks for coming my dog on. Is ringing the bell. He needs to be let out. He has a bell. Yeah, he's got me trained well. <laughs> Like he just all his sports just <laughs> all against the belt. I'm like, yeah, thank you so much. I know. Yep, I'm coming. I'm coming. Yeah, I uh, I run this house. First. I run this house, mom. It's kind of an asshole. He's kind of like a cat about it too. Like, uh-huh. yeah, Juno is an asshole. My cat's an asshole. But cats. he's very cute. Animals. He's very cute. Yeah, I love all animals. I got a cat because they're just easier to take care of. But they're like meaner sometimes. Does he they do have. like the, the, the diagonal run or like the horizontal? Run? Yeah, he, he puts his back up and he's like, yeah. he looks like a demon. Yeah. <laughs> and his arms are straight. He steps with his arms straight. His, his arms don't bend when he steps. <laughs> when they do that? Does he chirp at birds? Yeah, he goes like. <laughs> I love when they do that. It's so cute. Because they think that's what birds sound like. Yeah. Okay, so we get to end. We get to end the episode. You have to pick. You have to give me a pick. Hans Zimmer, or John Williams. You get to take their entire. You get to take their just their discography. Their discography uh, to a uh, beach, uh, desert island. Which one are you taking? I gotta go, Hans Zimmer. I feel like there's like something there for every mood. I gotta go, Hans Zimmer too. I agree. Yeah, John Williams is like just a little too heroic all the time. Yeah, I think I, f- I feel like I would get a little it would get very repetitive listening yeah. to just just John Williams. Yeah. So I think it might go crazy. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, <laughs> I'm going to think I'm like going to be able to fly. Exactly. So but Hans Zimmer, he has a lot of different tones. He has a wide. He is probably the biggest range as a composer where you can do something like The Holiday and they can do Dune. Oh, like, God, he did The Holiday. Yeah. So what kind of what composer has that yeah, range? Nobody. You can pick something to heart for heartbreak and then something to like get you jacked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm glad we agree on that. High five on agreeing. Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer wins. And this episode is brought to you and sponsored by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> by Hans Zimmer. This, Hans episode Zimmer, spo- this episode is sponsored by uh, Paris the Caribbean at World's End. Oh my God, it's so good. Everybody go listen to it, especially at the one called One Day because that is Will One Turner. Day is great, yeah. That's Hans uh, yeah. love theme and it's so good. And, you and it has, it, yeah. Yeah, it has a lot. Of, it has the main themes in it. It's a great track. It is. A, it is. It is the best pirate score. I will say. It yeah, is. It's so good. So, Lauren, thank you for being on the show. We appreciate you being Thanks a for patron. Having me. You did a great job. Thanks. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Bye. <laughs>